You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take five. It's the five-minute edition of Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and we're going to spend five minutes on the two-minute. Uh, yikes, Logan. The end of this one, uh, it, it, it just felt inevitable uh, that the, the Seahawks were going to go down and score um, but how did it ultimately happen and what could the commanders have done differently slash what should they do differently next time? Let's let's buzz through it real quick. What did you see sure. on this 53-second game-winning drive for Seattle? I think now, like with um, with how efficient offenses are, these two-minute situations are so – they're almost easy, you know, even, even versus good defenses. And I'm not trying to absolve our defense from not making a play here, but I just think like when, uh, when the commanders scored, so when Sam Howell throws that touchdown – and they have three timeouts left, 53 seconds, and it's a field goal. Like that's a drill that you work a ton. That even when I was playing, that was something you worked a ton. And that's that's easy. Those timeouts make it so easy because your entire offense is still on the table. So I knew that they were going to have a big challenge ahead of them, the defense. And obviously, like they were able to get a couple chunk plays, which is not ideal in that situation. And um, you know, one of the first plays was the slant to DK Metcalf. And I think that play is a blitz that they ran probably twice in the game prior to that and had great success with it. And on this one, Seattle picks it up. Um, the prior two times, you get two awesome free runners to the quarterback. He has to throw it away. This one, no, picked up. Um, St. Juiced is, I think, in relatively tight coverage, but you're kind of expecting the, the pressure to get home because it's done that every single time. They're, they're playing off, which, again, is something that people go, why did you play off? But when you're playing essentially zero coverage, when you're by yourself on an island versus – an explosive receiver, I probably prefer that. I know Fred Smoot, I can hear him yelling already. Um, you know, I do a couple of shows with him. He's always like, press, you know, you only, you only got to defend the slant and the go. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of say, I look at the process on the prior two blitzes and I say, that's what they did before. I don't know why that would change now. I think the biggest difference is that the pressure gets picked up and I'm sure St. Juice would say he's got to play better. So um, yeah. that's obviously tough. And then I think- In fact, go, by the way, St. Juice did say he's got to play it better. I thought he was talking about more the the post on the two-man look. That was the one oh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that, so that's not great. But then I think the the dagger in this sequence is the is the two-man. Um, uh, that is, that's really tough, man. It's 
it's two man. You've got everybody manned up across the board. There's two safeties deep and um, they run like what I would call Seattle runs like a pull concept. So there's many variations of this, but essentially you have a guy, um, usually a tight end or a slot receiver, sit down at five yards to kind of pull that hook player down if you were in zone. And then you are running like an in-breaking route behind that player um, versus a corner and cover three or quarters with outside leverage. And so St. Juiced, um, you know, has got DK Metcalf man-to-man, and he kind of just stops on the in-cut. And um, and I don't really have a good explanation. He said that, I think you, you were reading this to me earlier, that he – Thought they were going to run the seven, which is good sound football thinking because right. they don't Seven's have any a time corner outs. route. So it's going, yeah, you break outside towards the sideline. And, you know, he'd been getting got on double moves a couple times earlier in the season. So it makes sense. You kind of run like a little fake dig and go to the corner. Um, but again, like that's that's one of those ones where, you know, he's got to he's probably got to make that play. And I understand his thinking. I understand his reasoning. It's all there. But ultimately, Seattle makes that play. And then you know, they have to center the football for for the touchdown, basically, or for the field goal, excuse me. So that's really what it comes down to. It's, um, you know, Blitz doesn't get home. And then a guy who is, I guess, is thinking about it in the right way, if I'm being honest. Like, you know, there's no timeouts left. I think the thing he underestimated was how much time was left on the clock because you Correct. can get up to the football and spike it. But, um, yeah, it's a tough deal. That's a really yeah. tough uh, tough down and distance for, for him. And, obviously, he's going to get a lot of heat. Um, and I guess rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. Cause like you got to make plays in those situations. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's ultimately like, I would just say that is a really tough situation for the defense having been on offense, obviously my whole career and knowing how I view that situation with those three timeouts and 53 seconds and just needing a field goal. It was a tough, a tough ask for the defense for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I guess a couple of, of, uh, simpleton questions here. First one is, why are those situations so easy? Like if, if scoring points is that easy, right? Why isn't it that easy all game? Like if, if yeah. it's so easy to drive the field and, and get a field goal, then like, why, why can't you do that all, all day long? Why does anyone ever punt, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously it's not like teams are so efficient uh, all the time that, that in those situations that they always get it. Right. But it certainly does seem like in, in the modern NFL, that situation happens a lot. So why is it so easy especially in those situations to drive in between the twenties and, and get yourself into field goal situation. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really good question. And I think it's, I would say it's easy relative to other two minute situations because the, the biggest enemy in a two minute situation is obviously the clock. So if you have two minutes left and you're after the two minutes warning, but you don't have a timeout, the offense, the, the dynamic, the paradigm of the offense changes completely. You're trying to call stuff to get out of bounds. You're trying to call stuff to find ways to stop the clock. Every play you're calling, you can't get too far down the field because you got to run up and spike the football afterwards. And obviously, two minutes is maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. But let's say you had like a minute 25. It becomes really, really challenging to score there. But all of a sudden, with the timeouts, you get this defense that is going to be playing probably a little bit more conservatively, and you can touch anywhere on the field. You can run, you can throw, you can attack the middle of the field, you can attack the sidelines, you can take vertical shots, and you only really need to get about probably 40 yards of offense, which you know for Seattle in this game was not very challenging. But in those two-minute situations, because of the space you're able to create, because of the fatigue of the defensive line, it just seems to fall in this really natural way of just being, being relatively easy. It's, it's relatively easy to get that. And so, you know, when they when when Washington scored, I was like, they're going to get this field goal like almost immediately because that situation is so challenging for the defense. You really what you really need is an explosive defensive play. So, you know, turnover, 
um, sack is another rice one or an offensive penalty is kind of what would stymie that. And, um, you know, prior earlier in the game, I think Washington was able to get some of that stuff on third down. We're going to talk about their third down percentages and how effective they were in the main podcast. But in this situation, they didn't get that kind of, you know, either offensive penalty, defensive stop, um, you know, tackle for loss or sack. And uh, that's the result. So, yeah, I just, I look at that and I'm like, why can't defenses then just stop playing so conservative? And like, yeah, you might give up a big play, but, um, you know, offenses are typically going to try to run their two minute stuff. So, and they're scared of getting too far down the field. They're scared. Like, yeah, you can't coverage bust and give up a touchdown. Um, but I, I think that there's gotta be a better way that is more cognizant of time and whatever. And that kind of gets to my other thing, which is the Fred Smoot point of like, why not press? Like if, if so much of this stuff is quick and timing dependent, um, I, I do think that like pressing and, and disrupting the timing and especially if you're blitzing, like marrying your coverage and your pressure, um, seems beneficial and making things taste, take longer in an area where the clock is the enemy. That seems to make sense to me on a very baseline level. Um, yeah. although sometimes, uh, that does, that logic doesn't really hold up once you start to parse it apart. Yeah. And I think, um, so obviously I think Jack was pretty aggressive in this two minute, like he brought a six man pressure, you know, and it's, it, it's not zero because it's kind of like, a, a what I would call like, so instead of a three deep three underneath fire zone, it plays like a two deep three deep fire zone. So it's kind of this weird man zone principle in the back end with one ledge coverage player. So I thought that was pretty aggressive right there. And I think, um, you know, to your point about pressing, I, that comes up a lot. And I think that the guys, you know, St. Juiced has a, has a PBU, I think, on a slant the next play. I'm not yeah. sure if he's playing off. He's playing slightly off maybe. Um, but he does seem to be a little bit more comfortable in like a slightly off man position. And I and so I went back and watched all the all the all the other times they ran those blitzes in the game with you, and he's playing off, and so is Fuller. So obviously that's something that they feel more comfortable with in that situation. And um, and I guess like I don't really have a good answer as to why you would press there, um, why or why you wouldn't press, excuse me. But obviously if they feel more comfortable doing it as a coach, I want them to do what they feel more comfortable doing. And I think the other thing is like, um, you know, they they got the pressure, they they blocked the pressure up, and I think that's something that. You're not counting on. You're bringing six. You should be. You should be free to the quarterback, and um, they win. They win downs too. And so, you know, I wish we could kind of show you the clips, but the the pre the previous two times they ran that pressure, they get free runners to the quarterback, and it's a beautiful pressure. And there's nowhere for him to go with the ball. And here, Seattle picks it up. And so, in the most pivotal moment of the game, kind of the the pressure that's been uh, so successful for you, especially in the first fourth quarter. Just isn't there, and I think that's um, that's got to be a point of frustration. But ultimately, they make plays too, and I think that's why th that, that's a big point of frustration for me. It's a big point of frustration for fans, the coaches, I'm sure. But they get paid too, and, and they made a play there when they had to, and it kind of got the drive started. And um, and obviously, the other one we talked about was the post that St. Juice kind of said he was getting ready to protect the sideline. But um, yeah, I, I really think I, I thought Jack called it well to your original point. I think he, he right. called it relatively well. It just didn't uh, just didn't play the way you wanted to play. And 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 you and you said this you said this yesterday. I mean, we were talking offline about how um, you know at some point you just got to kind of make plays, and your players got to make plays. And this is this yeah. is an example of that. So there's no scheme that is execution proof. You can call the perfect play, and if your guys don't go execute it or make a play or whatever, then at the end of the day, it's not going to work. All right, much more film breakdown on the full pod tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Take Five.